Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. And as you settle into this meditation, you can do so with an attitude of allowing. The best is an attitude of non-expectation. Not wanting to have a certain quality of meditation, but instead just allowing to be with what is as it is, as it arises. can do this with your body, making sure that your posture is relaxed yet alert. And checking in with the mind. for any resistance in the mind, agitation, or maybe the mind is too relaxed. Already moving into daydreaming. So with this attention, finding your balance point, being alert yet at ease. Using relaxed effort. As you bring your attention into the moment. can find what is the most available to you to become the focus of this meditation. You can notice the body breathing itself. the sensations caused by the movement of this breath. Paying attention to 
the coolness on the inhalation as the breath moves through the nostrils. And as the breath collects the warmth of the body, noticing the exhalation, the warmth of the breath as it passes through the soft tissues of the nose. stay with the breath within its entirety, noticing the exchange as the inhalation exchanges itself with the exhalation. mind wanders, which it will, with kindness and non-judgment, simply bringing the attention, bringing the mind back to these sensations caused by the movement of breath. stay here at the nostrils, paying attention to the sensations you find there. Or you could choose the abdomen, the belly, noticing the expansion and contraction of the abdomen.
just noticing where is the mind? Is it on the object or has it shifted away? And it's okay if it has. Simply bringing the mind back like you would a child that has wandered off the path. Gently, kindly, without judgment. Notice just enough effort that it takes to stay on the object. Just enough concentration. Still having a sense of ease, yet strong attentiveness.
in once more. Where is the mind? Keeping the mind on the breath as you allow everything else to flow through your awareness, letting everything in, letting everything out. Ambient sounds, sensations, emotions. Letting everything come and go. take one breath at a time, one inhalation, one exhalation, and be fully present each moment, each piece of the breath. And as you're done with that circulation of breath, Recommit yourself and be with the next circulation of breath.
Welcome, everybody. Happy Sunday. Yeah, so, this is Inside LA's Sunday Sit. Um, our topic today um, is transformation. How many of us want to change something? <laughs> No, change is not good. <laughs> Unless something's bad, then change is good. <laughs> it's funny how it works both ways. Like every, if it's good, it's like stop. Then if something's not so good, you're like, please change. You know. So I think that's a big part of, you know, why we come to kind of any any kind of path is some kind of transformation. You know. Like some kind of change. I think what's interesting with with maybe a more spiritual path is the type of change. I think this is one of the biggest gifts of of this of a spiritual path. Is that if we look at a lot of the the change that I would say most of you know, society wants, or uh, what we're told is is external change. Like I want, I want a better job, or a better relationship, or I want the person that I'm with to be a little bit better. <laughs> um, it could be materialistic things too, or vacations, or something, but something outside outside of ourselves. This is like the norm, you know, is that I want change and if that changes out there and then I'm going to feel better about that. And at some point we become disillusioned with this because we get the change and still something's still missing. So we're like, hmm. And then at some point, we think, maybe I'll change. <laughs> no, that's too hard. <laughs> Still have everything else change. But I think it's really a gift of, like, what is meaningful change? Not just change, what is meaning meaningful change? <coughs> it's kind of like, to use uh, like a computer analogy, it's like, we like getting new software or something, but we don't want to change you know, the, the the actual computer itself, was it the hardware, right? Operating system. The operating system or something. Like, we're good just with new shiny objects, but we're not really changing the infrastructure of, of our life. Or even updates, you know, the software that we have, we just want like an update, you know, like a little bit better, like a little bit more money than the but then if we get more money, then our lifestyle changes, and then, you know, it's just more money, then we just need more money. So what is meaningful change? What is meaningful transformation? This is the first thing that we want to look at, and and we have this, uh, you know, I think it's maybe very interesting how Buddha taught the first noble truth of this, of this dukkha, or unsatisfactoriness, you know that we have this opportunity, if we're mindful and we're really looking, we have this opportunity to see 
what is unsatisfactory and we're seeing the the process of this what can why does this continue so we could be mindful of that so this unsatisfactory nature of the things in our life become opportunity for us to look and change we had a teacher training here yesterday and awesome for those in the room that came back today because they were here all day yesterday and uh, the co-teacher Gulu he told this great story of of the there's a mindfulness cigarette uh, addiction program and he was saying how it's the efficacy rate is like two or three times I forget what he said of like other programs it's very effective and how it works is they they let people smoke but they have to do it really mindfully <clears throat> so so they're you know smelling tasting and you know looking at the inhalation and how that feels in the body and and all that and of course what do they find it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. And and really, this is the invitation of of our practice, is to really look. Is to really be there with with everything, to be where be there with our own suffering, and and yet if we don't look, we don't we don't really see it in the, that case. So we could all see as soon as I started describing it, like everyone was cringing, but that's that's something that is pleasurable when it's not looked at it's like the Vedna practice of looking at feelings pleasant unpleasant and neutral so if we're not if we're not looking at at the, the pleasant you know then it becomes it can become addictive attachment arises I might have a coughing attack <laughs> Wait one second What's that? Let it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not quite there. It's close. <laughs> Let's see. I think it's okay. So, if you know, not looking at the unpleasant turns to aversion. Thank you so so much. Then, then not being awake and aware of the neutral turns to ignorance. You know, turns to turns to delusion. So, you know, just just this looking part, and I think what's the, the what's the most fascinating transformation for me to me with the path is transforming along with reality. This is the, the most difficult thing that we, that we can, can do is that as life transforms, we're transforming with it. So this is the great attachment of, like we were just talking about at the beginning, like, oh, stay right here, you know, my body, oh, a wrinkle, boom, like, or this and that, this change. So this, this impermanence, you know, as we wake up and as we're watching, we're watching impermanence. We're watching these changes, this, this shifting, this moving. And we're seeing, can we be with it? Even in the, in the meditations. To be with this moment, you have to let go of the last moment. 
We're asking ourselves this tall task to just be with what is as it is. Like, life is transforming all the time. But this, you know, this, this pain times resistance equals suffering. So sometimes this, there's this, um, this pain of change, this being, being uncomfortable with this shift or change, but can we transform along with reality? Sometimes it's very difficult. I think that's base level transformation. <laughs> like, then we want this, this internal transformation too. But can we change as everything else is changing? And be okay with that. So there's a few pieces to the path. Like as we're looking, looking to shift and, and transform ourselves, maybe to, to do this. How does this look in action? So we have three pieces: view, conduct, and meditation. Let's see how we're doing on time here at the moment. So right view, right view is where do we want to go? What um, right view, as far as like a like a Buddhist terminology, right view would be like the view of ultimate truth, right? What is actually true? What is actually going to lead to sustainable, reliable happiness? So this is good to have right view, but right view, we say, is like in, in the head, right? So this is something that is more up here, up, up in our brain. So if we reading the teachings, contemplating the teachings, this is really, really good. But without the meditation and without the conduct, then we're not going to make a full transformation. So, you know, we, we see this a lot of times with, um, with the path that it works intellectually, which could almost in a way be a detriment. Like we ever, we, when we're just hearing the teachings and we're reading about the teachings, or reading about mindfulness, I think this happens a lot, paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally, and we're like, okay, I get it. I get that. But then... It just stays up here, and we don't practice it. And eventually, we get stuck. We hit obstacles and barriers because we're not actually doing the practice. And so, it has to move into actual our actual daily life and our actual practice. So, likewise, sometimes people will start with meditation and just learn just the meditation technique. They don't have right view, they don't have right conduct, but they learn the meditation technique, and it helps. Like this, the technique, it helps. But at some point, there's going to be an obstacle. Right? It's not going to be complete, because right? it's missing some pieces. One thing, if we don't know why we're doing something, we're going to lack motivation. So like this is where the right view comes into place. You know? So with the conduct, 
So one thing about the meditation and one one way that it transforms is it moves into the heart. So they say like right view is more in the head. Meditation is more in the heart, moving into the heart. And of course they're both they're all interrelated, right? But what we mean by that is the transformation of let's say emotions. If you just have if you just you're, you're in the head about something but you're not really transforming your emotions like you get to do in meditation because you're really sitting in it, right? You're sitting in your own emotions and you're having to process that. You're having to transform it in real time in the, in the meditation practice, right? You get to see your own suffering. And this is very transformative because when we see our own neurosis, then we look at others and we say, oh, they're hurting too. They're hurting like me, and I'm trying really hard not to hurt, and I'm not doing a very good job, <laughs> and I still I have outbursts because of that. You know, I have my own anger, my own jealousy, my own envy, my own whatever it might be, and I'm trying. And when we're sitting with this daily in, in our practice, automatically we have compassion for others. This, this arises innately. Bless you, bless you. So this is really, this is the transformative part. This is the heart part, right? And of course in our practice, we can't really do our practice without loving kindness because what is arising, this whatever it might be, shame or guilt or discomfort or something, if we're not meeting it with loving friendliness, we're not going to be able to hang out with it long enough to know anything about it. I say love is the currency on the path. Like if you're on a journey, you have a currency on that journey, and you got to pay your way, right? You might have to pay people off. You might, depending on where you're at in the world, you need to pay for food, you need to pay for this. Like when those things come up, time and time again, at least for me, it's always love and compassion that gets me through to the, so I can continue my journey. If I meet it with, with aversion, if I meet it with ill will, if I meet it with um, you know, more guilt, something like this, then I'm, I'm going to move away. Yeah, I'm going to take a different journey, one of distraction, one of turning away. So that, that transformation process won't be complete. So then we have the conduct piece. So the conduct piece, again, if we just have conduct, so this is like the right, the ethics and morality, we could have that. You know, but if we're not moving that into the practice, it's not transformative. But the conduct is what are we bringing into daily life? This is the path in daily life extremely important obviously meditation really good on the cushion right view really good in the head all that stuff but then if we go out to the real world and we're in our daily life and we're yelling and screaming and <laughs> doing all those types of things and then we come back to the cushion and we have a very disturbed mind this is so um, underrated 
the ethics in in the spiritual path. I think as as meditation has moved into the mainstream, I think this is the biggest detriment that we have lost is ethics. Because there's just there's no way to have a stable mind without ethics. It's just impossible. You can meditate all you want. But without this base level ethics as as a way of steering you throughout the day, then there's no way to really find any stability. But more than that, ethics is something that we're doing every day for the transformation to happen, so it becomes a continual practice. This has to be a moment-to-moment -moment practice. It has to be every, every day, every waking moment of our lives as we're meeting whatever is arising. So if it, we're just meeting what's arising in that hour on the cushion or for whatever it might be, it might be 20 minutes, an hour, whatever, that's beautiful. But there's 23 more hours out of the day. Like, what are we doing with our practice? And so with this ethics, it's really not part of the traditional teaching of this part, but is, is awareness. So this stability of awareness is key. This is what we're actually practicing, right? At the end of the day, we're practicing awareness. Awareness uncovers all of this. Awareness uncovers the, the unsatisfactory nature. Awareness uncovers the way to get out of it, right? Awareness uncovers all of it. Awareness uncovers when are we being ethical or when are we maybe um, doing something that we maybe, maybe shouldn't. It uncovers it through how does this feel? <laughs> does this feel good? Does this feel not so good? And so conduct itself, we could, we could look at this in a few, in a few different pieces, but uh, the first aspect of conduct is to release the, the unwholesome. You know, what, what is unwholesome to let go of that? And this could be the hardest part, right? Because it's habit. So have you, anyone ever done anything that you know is not really the best for you, but you do it anyway? <laughs> Nobody? Not everybody, right? So we have to recognize, is this wholesome or unwholesome? Is this good for me, or is it not so good? And then with our meditation, you know, we're working with this non-grasping mind. We're working with, you know, I can allow this to, to be, but I don't need to follow it. You know, we're working with that moment to moment in the meditation practice. So when these things arise in the real world, we're looking at it like I could be with you, but not follow you. You know, I know this tendency to do this or do that. This is arising within me. I'm going to be with you, but not follow you. So we're practicing all the time in, in the meditation, not following whatever it might be. Of course, in meditation, we're not following the good and we're not following the bad. There's no judgment, no good, nothing, no good, no bad. But we're practicing not following. This is huge. The ability to, to, to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go. Huge. Be emotion, thoughts, whatever. The second piece is cultivating the good. 
this is difficult too. Does anyone know of anything that you know makes you feel good, but you don't do it? Like a good habit, like meditation. <laughs> when I meditate, I feel good, but it's difficult. So this is another part. It's difficult to change. It's difficult. This transformation is difficult. And one thing about uh, one thing about the path that really allows transformation to take place that that maybe we don't find in the real world is that we find a ground that is the bridge between wherever we are and where we want to go. Like we need, we need a bridge to get there. And a lot of times there's a sense of loss with transformation. So if we're going to transform, we have to be, we have to suffer through that sense of loss to get to this something else. And in that sense of, of, of loss, what we're letting go of, we need this sense of ground in our beingness. And if we could find that within, within, our, within ourselves, then we could really be free to move and change. But again, if we're leapfrogging to things outside of ourselves, that sometimes it's not enough. We can't suffer the loss of that one thing to get the better thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah, I want to go there, but I have this. And there's fear in that. There's attachment in that. There's the unknown in that. Like, how do I go from here to there? But if we have a sense of okayness within ourselves, like, I'm okay, I'm okay, as I am, within me, I'm okay. I have found a place, a place within myself, I'm okay, no matter what's out there. Then now I can go play. Now I, now I can have the sense of freedom and I talk about spiritual confidence. You know, confidence is a spiritual confidence. There's a confidence in in our external world and you know our skills and all this stuff there's also a spiritual confidence in our own ability that we're like our own buddha nature or christ consciousness whatever you want to call it right there's that kind of confidence and then there's confidence of peacefulness i could always find the peace within me i know it's there even when i can't see it i know it's there when we taste it we know it's there and we know it's not dependent upon anything external. Even if you find something external, you have an external trigger for love, acceptance, or anything like this. Where is it happening? Where do you feel it? It's all inside. Something could ignite that within you. It's all within, within us. And then in meditation, we figure, oh, this is interesting. You know, I've been going out there for this, this, and this, but actually I found it in here. How cool. Right, it's portable. I could take it with me. <laughs> you know, it's everywhere I go. It's everywhere I am. It's right here. So the, this other piece of the conduct is so we have letting go of the unwholesome, cultivating the wholesome, and the third piece is having some kind of altruism. So this is very, very supportive of, it's not about me. And this is really where you'll see a lot of times in the practice where compassion meets wisdom. And this is one of those places in conduct. 
one of the wisdom pieces is interdependence. What I mean by that is there's, there's insights into the nature that we're definitely all connected in some way. We're interdependent. It's not all about, even though it feels like it, it's not all about me. I mean, it is. It is. <laughs> but if, if we could tie in the reason that we want to transform, if we could tie in this idea that I want to make this change to not only benefit myself, but I want to benefit others too. This has a different flavor to it, a different, a different power to it, if you will. I forget what, what uh, there was a Lama Rinpoche saying that, you know, when, when we have a motivation that is for the benefit of all beings, all beings are on our side. Mm-hmm. Like they're rooting for you. Like energetically, like there's that, there's that vibration, and there's some place where we really connect on that level of this universal level, right? And even in our meditations, you know, may I attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings, for the benefit benefit of all beings. The Dalai Lama says that one enlightened being can counteract the delusion of ten million people. I don't know how he came up with the equation, but it's kind of <laughs> neat, you know. And it's like. And that we, we're awakening, you know, together. You know, but we see this, I mean, we see this in, in, in this environment. I mean, this is all about the Sangha. Like, we come in here and, and we're feeding off the good nature of, of ourselves and our own beingness and our own meditation practice. This is why I like to thank everyone for your practice. Thank you 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 for your practice because your practice is here. It's in the room. It's in the energy. It's how you relate. And I, I love that in, in this Sangha that we've been here for five and a half years now and we see each other throughout, throughout town, right? We see each other and we're reminders. But not only that, I know that when, you know, Mark goes to work and everyone goes to work and goes back to their family and whatnot, that this is, is moving through the community. And then with one act of kindness, of course, is influences somebody else, and then, that, then they influence their partners and their coworkers, and on and on. Right. But what I find about this... Um, this aspect of conduct, how it works for transformation, is that it's a sense of purpose. Like when we have, when we have this motivation, bless you. You held it in, but we still heard. Kind of stifling. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When we have this, this intention for others, there's a sense of purpose that is built in and, and it's, it works well for perseverance on the path. It's extremely helpful. If we really want to transform completely, let's say in a form of enlightenment or whatnot. You know, I remember the first time when I moved to Tibetan Buddhist centers and this, this Mahayana path of, for the benefit of all beings is just, it's just spoken like in every, uh, every prayer and sadhana and 
you know, everything that we do. And I just remember just how uplifting that was and how inspiring it was for my practice that, you know, before that, there was just for me. Like, <laughs> I want to do it for me. And then I felt such, such a sense of purpose that, yes, you know, if I work on myself, think of the benefit that I could be, you know, for others. And then, you know, through like some bodhisattva practices of actually saying like, and you know, you could, you could allow yourself to feel this, or think this way or not, it's beneficial for me, but there, there is a concept that nobody's going to free all beings except me. It's totally up to me. I'm the only one. So I have to do it. You know, I have to reach enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. It's all on my shoulders. Like, mm. I have to do it. No stress. No stress. <laughs> but we do think, in a very real way, that we have the Krishnas and Muhammads and, and the Buddhas and the Christs and the Mother Teresas and Martin Luther Kings and the Gandhis. And we have these beings that did that. And they're still influencing beings today. And they're still freeing beings today. Millions. You know, I like to say that in Tibetan Buddhism, and it, it's not just Tibetan Buddhism, it's, it's a lot of other paths, but they turn out enlightened beings like, like an assembly line. Like every, every generation enlightened beings. Enlightened, enlightened, you know. So we could, could see how this could be a real influence. On, on, on others, our own transformation. So the first thing, to recap a little bit, what is meaningful transformation? What is meaningful transformation? Stuff that's going to really have a lasting effect on our lives. This is the first thing to wake up to. And that through mindfulness and through awareness, we could see what that, what that looks like. Things that we need to shift and change. And we could do that through right view, right meditation, right conduct. The view of where we want to go. Meditation, the transformation aspect, and the conduct of bringing this into our daily life. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.